Good morning, everyone. If so many of you ask, why do we do this so early? Because we can. And I want to thank my friend, mentor, the incredible scholar, Blaine Bartlett, for joining me early as well as we have filming today at the, yep. the, the warm-up review for the TV show at The Win. So we'll be moving on from here. And what a great guest we have starting off our leadoff hitter today. She woke up early with us as well. Pamela Shane House is here and she's the president of the Shane House Group. Welcome to Hi, Office thank House. You. you know, like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> That's the only way to be. Seize the day, as they say. Um, but your work is uh, impactful and necessary. Uh, as one of the main objectives for Blaine and I is we get a little bit older in trying to create uh, this, what I call a unified, abundant, infinite system of thought. Uh, there needs to be diversity, inclusion, accessibility, appreciation. Appreciation not only for the similarities so much uh, focus in on, Pamela, but I think there's a lack with uh, IDEA of people who focus in on appreciating the differences. You know, we all want to appreciate the same in this equity well, equity for me, maybe you can educate me or unlearn something. Equity means the same, uh, but people aren't the same. My mom had six children. And she used to say, I'm not going to treat all of you the same because you're not all the same. Some of you need a job. Some of you don't need to, to work. Some of you need a car. Those of you don't need a car. How do you deal with this very complex form of equity? to try to encourage people to appreciate actually the differences, not the same. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, David, thank you for having me on, on this fabulous show. I, I, I love it. This is my second or I think, I think it's the second or third time, but I've loved it every single time. And Blaine, pleasure to meet you. You as well. It's a really interesting question because equity can be, you know, we call something justice Jedi, justice, equity, diversity, inclusion. And then we call it inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. And then, and I call it, you know, why not be a little different than everybody else? Um, I call it AID, A-I-D-E, because I believe that accessibility is at the top of the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. if, you're not, if you do not provide an accessible workplace, it doesn't matter where you are. And I'm not, you know, I'm discussing going along code is one thing, okay? Because, you, you know, you have your code, now you have to abide by it. Canada, of course, is, excuse me, I'm not saying this, but, you know, a little bit behind the eight ball here. And and our code is um, the ACA. We have to abide by it by 2025. But in my province, in the province of Ontario, I'm from Toronto, we have to abide by it by um, December 2023. And if you have one employee, one employee, okay, you have to abide by these rules. I, I am telling you, that three quarters of the industry has no clue that this is what they have to do. Mm -hmm. And the other quarter thinks that they are completely a code. I was at a corporation a couple days ago, and I'm not going to mention the corporation. And I'm walking with my walker 
I have no clue where the ramp is. Nobody tells me how to get in. Okay. I can walk a few steps, but what about an electric wheelchair who comes up to this historic building and goes, what the hell am I going to do now? Mm -hmm. So equity to me, I agree with you. It, it means treating people the same, but we can't treat everybody the same. But what we can do is respect people as they are. Mm -hmm. And that's what it means to me. And, and, and I think that when you're talking about inclusion and diversity, I started in this field uh, in the world of fashion. I started with a fashion brand being the first size diverse sustainable fashion brand in Canada in the early 2000s. Nobody understood a word of what I was doing. It was either plus size or whatever. It was the worst fabrics you've ever, you know, you couldn't be anywhere near a match because if you were any near, near a match, you'd go up in flames because of the fabric was that bad and that flammable. And I decided that I was going to change everything. I did that with my late daughter, Allie, and David, you know my story about uh, Blaine. I lost a daughter to cancer yes. and she was, um, she was just the most remarkable human being. She died at the age of 26. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Years, thank you. Appreciate it. And in those years, you know, and it's interesting. I just used the word loss and I'm trying to get rid of that word. And I know I'm going all over the place. So I'll come back to your question, David, I promise. <laughs> um, I hate using the word loss because to me, you know, I've lost her. I know where she is. She's sitting at a cemetery right now. So she's not lost. She's right there. And there's a whole connotation. And I'd love to do another show with you and discuss that because it, it really is not the right word to use when it comes to, to grief. And so getting back to, to age, if a person cannot get into your establishment, then you are not being inclusive and you are not appreciating your diverse community and you are definitely not being equitable. Pamela, I love the way that you lead with accessibility on this. And partly the reason I appreciate that uh, linguistic approach, you know, just to kind of frame it that way, you know, language creates reality but it also reflects reality. And where I'm going with this is most people don't think of, uh, yeah, the diversity, inclusion, equity, you know, conversation in the context of accessibility. And that's a mindset issue more than a physical availability issue. And I, and I say it's more than that because it starts with the mindset of separateness. It's yeah. Why would I attend to something like it? So I don't, I don't even see it because I don't feel connected to it. And the whole idea of compassionate capitalism, when David and I wrote the book, you know, was it's impossible for me to feel compassionate about anything unless I feel connected to it. And if we as uh, business owners, business leaders, uh, managers, uh, facility owners, facility builders, architects don't feel connected we have no compassion for those that are actually coming into our space. I need I need a copy of the book, David. You will send it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I would have known I would have read the book before I got onto this thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so like so I'm, I'm just curious with the work that you're doing. Um, how do you? How are you addressing the mindset question that 
kind of predicates everything. I love that question. And the reason that I love that question is, first of all, I'm going to take another two steps back to come forward. I was born with a bone disease diagnosed at the age of five. I've had over 30 operations in my lifetime. Hmm. And I have chronic pain all the time. I'm on morphine every day just to function. And nobody would think that I am. The only reason that they can they know and see me as a disabled person is if they get into my car, there's a handicap, uh, you know, thing wow. there. And, and if they see me walking with my walker. Outside of that, my disease is invisible. Mm-hmm. And one in four people in the States and three out of 10 in Canada have a disability. Mm-hmm. So you can't ignore this any longer. You can't shut your eyes. You can't say that, yep, we are accessible. Well, what about that little curb entering your building? Yeah. Yeah. I can go over a curb. Sure. A wheelchair can't. Yep. There was a, a, I was at a, um, listening to a conference yesterday and this was a gentleman who is, who was in a wheelchair and he went, um, for an interview for his first interview And nobody told him that there was an accessible entrance around the corner. So he walks in in the middle. And what does he see? He sees 10 steps going up. That's no clue. His brother had to carry him up the stairs, put him on the floor, and then carry up his wheelchair, which was not an easy feat because it was an electric wheelchair, very heavy. And then carry, put him into 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 the wheelchair. He goes to the front desk and they said, oh, didn't anybody tell you that there's an accessible entrance around the corner? Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. When I went to this event a couple days ago, I'll just say two more things. When I went to the one more thing, when I went to this event the other time, they didn't bother telling me that there was an accessible entrance on the other side. I had no clue how to get in. No clue. All they had to do on the invitation was say, if you are a person with a disability, please phone this, contact us at this number or at this email. And when you arrive, we will make sure that you are accommodated. How easy is that? People don't think about us. So what do I do? I'm fighting. I I can't tell you that I'm having an easy time. As a consultant, people are, seem to be allergic to the C word. And I think you and I, David, have discussed this numerous times. It's like that that T-shirt that you put, you know, the thing in between that you're allergic to something. People are allergic to consultants. And, and, the, and the consultant, the expert in the field, should be the first person that you go to to try to make sure that what you do is right. 70% of people who are brought in as DEI professionals are fired or walk out after one year. Mm-hmm. Educated. You know, there's so many invisible assumptions uh, that people make uh, on every side as, you know, a consultant. And I know Blaine faces this as well as, you know, working with the, the world business at the highest level. There's so many invisible assumptions and, it's interesting because in 
the consultative practice that I have by executives and leaders to look at all of these things with three lenses. One, productivity, mostly, which is, hey, our objective is to provide value. The more value we provide, the easier it is for our company to articulate that value to exceed what we're asking for. And that's the basis of compassionate capitalism for me, is to provide value uh, and as much of it because we're not as good as we think we are. And if you provide so much value, uh, more people within our organization or community will be able to articulate that value. Uh, the second uh, lens is surprising to a lot of people is accessibility and understanding that we provide all the value in the world. And I see so many great businesses out there providing value, but nobody knows they're there. Um, and it's like the side door, right? We're providing a great value of accessibility, but if nobody knows it's there, uh, and we should, you know, require people to call in and say, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I, I have a disability, and I was wondering where I would enter from. And cause some people have made that argument to me as a consultant, like, wait, wait a second, David, we don't need to notify people. And I said, well, that's a pretty steep, invisible assumption. You know, you, you have to take the lower common denominator approach in a public matter. And then the Let's third one. Unconscious bias. Sorry. Let's just yeah, talk about unconscious bias right then and there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then we look at the last one, which is obvious, but yet uh, overlooked as well in this unconscious bias, which is not only do we look with the lens of productivity, accessibility, but a lens of gratitude. So why not all of us seek the light, the love, and the lessons in the good intentions that we have? Because it took, for that company's building or whatever it was, it, it took a great intention to put an accessible entrance in and just wasted because of what I deem to be the combination, the triad of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude. And uh, I think as uh, when you're out there sharing you know, the perspective that's necessary to implement and execute on the accessibility. You have to remind, remember, and recollect the productivity and the gratitude that has to walk side by side, no pun intended, with the accessibility uh, for, for that others. That was a good pun, by the way, but no, it wasn't definitely intended. Um, I totally, I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? Oh, I mean, we just have to get to the next guest, but like you said, there's so much more uh, that we like and why we always have them back. And once again, thank you um, and congratulate you on the new division at the Shane House Group. Encourage people uh, to reach out to you. Um, it's amazing how much more productive we can be, not just with accessibility, but with inclusion and diversity and equity in that accessibility. But if it's worth anything, if it's not accessible, and I really enjoy the prioritization that you've given it, and I enjoy having you on. Uh, and I know Blaine to do uh, further the conversation as well. Well, Blaine, I'm going to get in touch with you. I'd love that, Pamela. I would. Yeah. And, uh, thank you for having me, both of you. Of course, thank you for all you do. We will see you soon. Thank you. Well, bye. bye. Pamela Shane House, reach out to her at theshanehousegroup.com. Our patient friend, Ryan Davies, is in the, the CEO of Cancer Back, uh, right on time, and uh, love, hopefully, 
Ryan is here. Yeah, you're running back to the. Oh, okay. Hey. Hey, <laughs> hey, man. We're going to flip him here. <laughs> Sorry. Talk hey, how are you guys? <laughs> hey, I just to tell you, Ryan, um, that's my favorite part of doing shows like this. You know, we have full blown movies that we've done, we have full <laughs> shows. You know, I'm going into this, you know, multi million dollar studio today at the win. And this is so much more fun for me when the dude's like running to the camera. <laughs> it's because that's what people, they, I think that's what really resonates with people. And the issue that, you know, in the mission that you're on, I think it's good to meet people where they're at um, and understanding uh, what's available today with the number one disease in the world. Uh, uh, so I'm not going to steal your thunder, but you have some breakthrough treatments uh, and would love you to share kind of the mission and the treatment uh, that you're working on. Well, uh, yeah, flip the, flip the guest list, David. Okay. Uh, if, I'm not sure the other guest is here yet. That's a problem. Right, right. So Chase is here. Ryan is still oh, in the room. I'm sorry. Oh, he's he probably like, what the f is he talking about? <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, Reluca. There we go. All right, uh, she's on top of it. I am not. Uh, thank, thank you for. Uh, you are not right. Five o'clock in the morning. I'm going to switch this around. Thank you, Blaine, for uh, helping me as well. Um, we we have Chase Harmer here with wishes.inc and uh, you know, I'll say if you're healthy, you get as many wishes as you want. If you're unhealthy, you only have one wish and wishes to me uh, are so important. In fact, I'm living, uh, and looking at what you're doing, I've uh, been involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, obviously in the sports world uh, and the impact that that has. I'm going to start at a fundamental level, uh, Chase. Uh, welcome, by the way, and sorry about the confusion. Um, hey, thanks for having me. Wow. Yeah, someone that's in the profession yeah. of wishes, uh, I, I always say, wish for what you want, wish for what you don't want. In fact, worry to me is a duplicative disease. Uh, not only does it create resistance or interference uh, between us and our potential to what we want, but it's actually wishing for what we don't want. Um, and you deal at the highest level in wishes because of the impact and the importance of what people are wishing for. Um, give us an idea to start to encourage people to donate to wishes.inc of your philosophy of how important it is to wish for the right things. Well, yeah, I, I think what we've really created at wishes is the ability for, um, uh, the, to solve the macro problem of transparency. So, you know, you either have time or you have money. And I think um, as a donor, um, I always want to understand the connection that I'm making with the individual that I'm donating to. And so my background is in is in fintech and financial payments. And so I, I basically it was a pioneer in virtual credit card issuing and processing. And so what we've actually done we created a platform where any donor can donate to any cause crisis or charity and always understand the dollars um, to impact, um, the ROI, uh, return on impact. And the return on impact, no matter where you donate today, doesn't actually exist uh, really. So if you actually donate to a charity, there could be a situation where you understand the dollars 12 months later. But the reason why we, the reason why we donate is people donate to people. 
right? We always want to understand that connection. But if you if you never understand that connection, what are you actually doing, right? So I think the problem that we're solving is we're all, we're allowing donors to understand those dollars in real time by issuing virtual credit, by turning donations into virtual credit cards, which are issued to the Apple and Google wallet directly to the people, causes, and charities that you care about. And then you can always understand the dollars, um, how they're spent in real time, um, earn rewards and tax deductibility on any donation. So what we really have solved is pretty much all the major uh, problems that exist in charitable giving, which is essentially a black box today. Um, not that we don't trust the charities that we donate to, but um, if you ask any donor um, where their money is going or where the dollars are going, the first thing that they'll say is like, what's going to impact? What's going to admin? Um, and everyone wants to understand, but nobody can solve um, the problem. And so that's really what we're doing um, on a macro level. So, you know, every yeah, charity that I've ever been associated with, and I'm sitting on a couple of boards uh, with charities, uh, um, the 990s, you know, in particular in the U.S., there's a you know, Form 990 that gets filed that uh, purports to be, and it usually is quite uh, transparent just from the numbers perspective. Right. And there's uh, categories about application to impact you know, in a very broad bucket, and then there's the admin. How does yeah? You know, how does what you do actually either complement or uh, sidecar with, or is different than a nine ninety that a you know, charity would be filing? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, in our platform, a nonprofit <coughs> can raise both in those in the buckets of admin. So, we're working with like a charity like the Khan Academy, where a lot like ninety percent of it is admin, right? But then you also have category specific things that are supporting a mission, like. Um, uh, let's just say, let's take the crisis in Maui, for example. The crisis in Maui is people needed to fly out of there. They needed a place to stay. They didn't have groceries for their family because their house burned down. You can actually support a direct category like a groceries or hotels or airline. You And so our 501c on the front end, it owns 25 other shell companies. Those shell companies are specifically categorized for the bonus categories in your credit card. So you can actually directly donate towards an airline, uh, airline or a hotel category. Um, and those dollars are turned into a fleet card, like almost like a gas card. If you've ever had a gas card before, you can't go spend the gas card inside of Macy's, right? You can only spend it in gas. And so right. we essentially proactively kind of manage the dollars to impact there. So if you're donating because you want to help someone with groceries or you want to help someone with a hotel or help a charity uh, drive a food drive, um, you those dollars are always insured to go towards what it is that you're intentionally donating towards. Um, and then they can also raise money for their admin costs. And I think as donors, you know, it's always nice to understand, like all charities, all big charities run like a business. They all mm -hmm. have real costs. Right. Yep. So it's if, if you understand what those real costs are, it's easier for you to under, donate towards those buckets. But if you don't understand there's just been a lot of things that's happened over the last, you know, a few decades of years where people just have lost trust and every grocery store is asking you for a dollar, but you really never know where that dollar goes. And right. that grocery store is later claiming that they helped 40, you know, they sent $40 million towards whatever cause they're, they're generating or they're donating towards, but they really didn't do that. It was all the individuals that donated a dollar towards that cause and they're taking the tax, tax deduction. And you really still don't understand what happened to those dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is a lot of stuff with people that 
you know, hey, listen, I trust that these charities are doing the right thing. And that's fine, right? But for the, the majority of other donors out there that really just don't have that same level of trust, our platform acts like a donor dashboard where you can donate towards any charity um, at any time or any cause or crisis and always understand those dollars to impact, return on impact, and kind of manage all your tax receipts in one place. Because if you're donating to 20 different charities or at the end of the year doing your, um, you know, your big, uh, you know, tax deductibility kind of charitable, charitable giving, you can manage it all in one place and, and always have that uh, just to send to your CPA and, and manage all your rewards and all those things in one place. So that's great. So, yeah. so basically you address the distinction between restricted and unrestricted funds. Yep. Be, yeah. Yeah. Kind of the language that I'd use there. Yeah. And on the, on the front side, exactly. So it's kind of like all, all the buckets and then you can yeah. really always understand like if it's uh, for pets or health related things, the biggest problem on a platform like GoFundMe is um, once they send those dollars to the bank account, it's uh, they lose all insight of what happens. And when you're donating towards individuals, that's where it gets pretty tricky, right? Because individuals can cook up a pretty good story and it uh, might all not be true, right? And so once those dollars hit that bank account, they really have the ability to go do whatever those they want with those dollars. And that's why you see specials on Netflix and Hulu about, you know, the horror stories that have happened in the past. And there's really no way for them to control that and uh, proactively the way that they're set up. So we really kind of just rebuilt the whole payments infrastructure but we didn't change user behavior. So, you know, user behavior, how we spend money today is through the Apple Google wallet. How do we earn rewards? We earn rewards through our credit cards. Um, we all want tax deductible events, but when do you get them from uh, any charitable giving that you give? Or even when you go to the church and you give your tithing, not necessarily getting tax deductible deductibility there either. So we kind of just put it all into one platform. Um, so we made it easy for, for donors to really manage um, their their own giving, you know, so, yeah, love it. You know, when we're looking at certain charities, it's not as obsequious of the transference of where those funds go, meaning, you know, Blaine and I are on the board of the Unstoppable Foundation, and uh -huh. uh, we have five pillars of building villages and schools and uh, healthcare and financial literacy, we have a college, high schools, community centers, entrepreneur program, all types of different things, but in mainly Kenya right now, uh -huh. uh, where, you know, the Apple Pay or Cards Pay, charity uh, <laughs> like that, is it more the administration uh, where you'd be donating to because you don't have that last mile of delivery of the, the, the funds? Well, so um, in International, what we're actually doing is we're utilizing the Star Network and we're doing it through uh, blockchain. So essentially, um, everyone in Africa, Kenya, they all have a phone. They all have access to the Star Network. So we can essentially push dollars that way just as fast as we can push dollars through the virtual credit card network. And so um, we're able to reach pretty much anywhere globally uh, based upon um, our blockchain and our uh, and the virtual credit card technology that we have here in the States. And the reason why... We utilize virtual credit card technology here in the states is it's pretty simple um we see blockchain as the future but it's not right now so right. you know you know nobody uses this to pay for things on a regular basis and you know that would essentially change user behavior and wouldn't be something that would be mainstream um you know virtual credit card technology is what apple pay has been doing since you know 2017 right um and as uh, the business that i've been in since 2014. so 
it really is mainstream. We're all used to doing it. We don't even know that we have virtual credit cards. If you ask somebody what's a virtual credit card, people would not, they would, they don't even know what it is, but they're using it all the time, right? right? Um, and it's really just a credit card that becomes virtual, that changes its PAN number all the time to keep it uh, anonymous and safe. And uh, that way you can always spend money or deliver money to anybody in, in the United States in real time and uh, always earn rewards and things like this. Uh, for that. So, you know, internationally, we just use the star network um, and we mm-hmm. deliver the funds the same way, but uh, you know, in a meaningful way that obviously, uh, you know, cause if you go to Africa, you're right. They don't know what virtual credit cards are and they don't, they but don't even know what M-Pesa is. <laughs> they all use the, they always use phones and that's really how they all, you know, pay for things out there. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wonderful. We, you know, the last step, uh, Chase, is to raise the awareness to build the marketplace because uh, just as when we're talking to Pamela, the invisible assumptions and the accessibility uh, here, it's a wonderful platform uh, to do more good uh, mm-hmm. and to help more people. Um, how can people raise the awareness and build this marketplace to a greater extent? Where should they go? You know, What should I tell Cynthia Kersey when I see her tonight at dinner? Uh, about wishes.com, where to go and how to sign up. Yes, it's wishes.inc. And so you can go to wishes.inc. You can, and we'll, we'll be inside of the Apple uh, store here right before Christmas. Um, we pretty much have, we've been working on this for about 16 months um, and uh, we're ready to go to market. If anybody has any questions uh, or you want to reach out to us directly, they can certainly reach out to me on LinkedIn at Chase Farmer. Uh, but uh, wishes.inc, you know, it's a, uh, it's the new way to give, and uh, we're super excited about what we built. And uh, you know, love to love to talk to anyone more about uh, it. Uh, so, yeah. well, we'll send you. We'll send you just like Pamela the compassionate capitalist capitalism book as well, because you certainly are an icon within that context. And we appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, it is a give back day on office hours, and thank you for your patience and understanding my radical humility and ignorance that I display almost every day on so many interviews. So I appreciate uh, your forgiveness. Hey, no, it's great. Thanks. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate uh, it. Hey, yeah, we're going to have you on another show as well. I mean, I know David's got another one. I've, I've got my soul of business. This fits directly into that conversation. So yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Chase Harmer wishes. Inc. healthy. <clears throat> You get as many wishes as you want. If you're unhealthy, you only have one wish. And uh, I'm so glad that my friend, Blaine Bartlett, let it healthy, healthy enough to fly today to come and see me and yeah. be the superstar of office hours. And uh, my wife and I are so glad to see Blaine and Cynthia. If you want the greatest mentor or consultant that I know, and I know a lot of people and a lot of consultants and mentors, it's the double B, Blaine Bartlett. Go to BlaineBartlett.com. Reach out to him. You want to be on this show, uh, or you need help? There's no one with a bigger heart than Blaine Bartlett, and he actually has a mind uh, to complement that beautiful heart of his. And I'm certainly appreciative of him moving his schedule around, waking up early or taking up his early time because he's probably awake like I am. It's just prioritizing the show uh, as he has for so many years. Uh, I think if I read correctly, it's like 561 episodes with an average of three. 0.5 guests. You do the math. That's a lot of great people pouring into our community. 
uh, one of the biggest shows uh, on the platform. Uh, and it's uh, just been a blessing. Uh, look forward to seeing you tonight at dinner, my friend. Oh, hey, I'm looking forward to getting there. Well, yeah, we're hopping a flight right after. Yeah, we're heading to the airport right after we close the show. All right, well, let's close it then. The incredible Blaine Bartlett, BlaineBartlett.com. Thanks for joining me. Hey, buddy. Appreciate it. Take away real quick. Yeah. Oops. You know, it, it must be the day. Can we bring Blaine back on, Maluka? We didn't do the takeaway of the day. Thank you. It's like my, it's like my first day. So uh, it's amazing. <laughs> my mind must be somewhere else. <laughs> What's your takeaway for the day? I'm sorry. Um, the, the whole notion of accessibility, uh, that, that idea, uh, not from a physical accessibility, but the mindset around it. I mean, yeah, when we look at what both Pamela was talking about, but also what uh, Chase was talking about, it, it comes down to the the whole idea of being connected. Yeah, when when I when I feel connected to something, I automatically start thinking about access. How do I make it accessible? How do I connect? And, and built into that is this experience of yeah compassion. Yeah, I'm going to yeah from a sensibility perspective, take care of that which I am connected with. And yeah, you know, whether it's, you know, FinTech, yeah, you know, how do I give more effectively? I want to feel connected there. So making that accessible or just physical infrastructure, making that accessible. Yeah, so takeaway is accessibility. The complement of productivity and gratitude is accessibility and contingent on that to me is the great concept of invisible assumptions which is my takeaway of the day uh, when we're doing charitable giving, like with Chase, there's so many invisible assumptions that people make and they end up not allocating their intentions aligned with where they want them to be allocated. Uh, and then of course we discuss the invisible assumptions of accessibility uh, with Pamela. And uh, I always uh, would encourage people to ask or be more interested than interesting with self and say, what invisible assumptions am I making on both sides? Yeah. If I have a meeting on a link, you know, what invisible assumptions I'm assuming they have accessible entrances. And if I'm assuming, I'm assuming that it'd be right in front of the building. Therefore, if I take the extra step of being more interested, uh, the building could take the step of notifying me but also making the assumption just because it's in an email, we can't assume people read emails and remember where the accessible entrance is. So uh, if we're gonna eventually increase our accessibility, we have to look a step beyond at the individual assumptions we're gonna make, uh, both in the allocations of fund charitable contribution, as well as the accessibility uh, for all people of diverse and equitable backgrounds. Thank you for reminding me uh, of who our guests are. Thank you for reminding me to do takeaway of the day. Thank you for reminding me uh, how blessed we are that there's something bigger than us that loves us more than our moms. Thank you, Blaine Bartlett. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you in a couple hours. <laughs> All right. Have a safe flight. Thank you. All right, everyone. If you're around Las Vegas, swing by. Check out Blaine Bartlett and I. We're going to be doing Office Hours, the TV show on Apple TV. A lot of win right by Tableau in the buffet. One of the greatest studios uh, in the country. Uh, they had ESPN in there yesterday with Stephen A. Smith. Uh, we have the basketball tournament, the rodeo, and of course, the incredible office hours on Apple TV. Swing by the wind, say hi to us. We'll be there today and tomorrow. Appreciate everyone that showed up yesterday to our meetup. Uh, we will be doing this again, swinging back for CES. 
So if you're interested in meetings at CES, uh, at our VIP dinner, our mastermind, come and join me, David at dmeltzer.com. David at dmeltzer.com. If you want to be notified of where we're going to be and when we're going to be there, it's 949-298-2905. Join our community. That's how I know where I am. And it didn't work this morning because I didn't know where I am or who I'm talking to. 949-298-2905. I know Raluca is dying to leave. She got all dressed up. Uh, early in the morning here. Thank you, Raluca, for doing this. Remember, most importantly, aligned with my takeaway, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you later. Thanks.